You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Welcome to Maximize Your Hunt, the podcast dedicated to those who want the most out of their hunting property. This podcast explores land management, habitat improvement, and hunting strategies that will help you maximize your time in the field. Follow along as industry professionals that live and breathe white-tailed deer share their secrets to success. And now, the founder of Whitetail Landscapes, your host, John Teeter. Hi, I'm John Teeter, Whitetail Landscapes. This is Maximize Your Hunt. Welcome back, everybody. Just wanted to have a little add in here. For those that are listening to the podcast that have listened over time, I truly appreciate you know your contributions, emails. A lot of people have been reaching out to me recently asking about consulting. I really appreciate that. Um, if you want to get on the schedule, you know, just stay in touch with me and stay on me to, to get into the 24 schedule. Separately, for those that are listening and the good feedback I have been getting, which it's been a lot, um, I am going to you know give away a hat every so often. And um, you may get down selected and, you know, I'll, I'll mail you out a hat. So keep those coming. If you could do it on Apple, that'd be appreciated. A lot of people want to email me stuff. And I, I do like that. I've got some Instagram messages as well. But, you know, I would prefer like on the, you know, on, on the apps are, are always the best because it, it helps kind of increase, you know, the visibility of the, of the podcast. So just want to add that. Hopefully everybody can do that. And, um, you know, I appreciate it. All right, so I've it's been a while. Steve Shirk and I have not talked in a while. Uh, we've communicated a bit every now and again, but it's been a while since I've checked in with him. So I want to kind of see where he's at, what's going on with him, um, what's he got going on this summer, et cetera. Hey, Steve, are you on the line? Yes, sir, I am. All right, man, it's been a while. Uh, how have you been? What is going on in your world? Uh, I mean, I've been good. It's been crazy busy. Um I mean, you know, and probably some of the listeners, I do landscaping, you know, this time of year. And it's just been a super tough year as far as finding employees. Most years I'll have 15 to 20. And uh, I was down to two guys for about the past month and a half. Some of it, um, I have intentionally downsized my business just to kind of, for for the most part, eliminate a lot of headaches I was getting tired of having. But still been pretty shorthanded and but, uh, you know, it's starting to get a little bit better. High school kids are now available because school just got out in this area. So I picked up a couple good kids to help me out. And uh, other than that, family's good. Everyone's healthy. Um, just enjoying this, this real nice summer weather. And But we know what's yet to come and what's coming next. That'll be uh, the fall and deer season. So I'm definitely starting to think about it. Yeah. And I just did a podcast with Mark Haslam um, from Southeast Whitetail. And we talked specifically about, you know, getting prepared for the season and things to think about. 
And I really think it's important that people are in the mode. You know, we get into this summertime, lackadaisical, want to be on the beach. And, you know, I, I feel everybody in that same sense. But when the rubber meets the road, so I'll just give an example. On my property in particular, I'm moving three box blinds around. I have box blinds on my property. I'm doing all my preparatory work like within this month. I'm in between clients right now, so I have time, like a have a day there, a day there, you know, and I'm taking advantage of those. And, you know, whether it's you have your own property or you need to go out and scout and prep stands, find locations, create trails, cut. The other thing I want to mention is I went out and I, I mowed trails last night for deer movement and flow. And so it's just taking that little extra. It took me 35 minutes. I went in, I sure. mowed out all these areas, and I'm just creating that landscape movement that I want. I'm, I'm doing that now. I'm not waiting until the season comes to kind of create these improvements. And again, that's just literally going out, taking time and using my mower and creating trail systems. And you, you can do things in the evening, you know, for half an hour again depends on where your property is or scout for an hour or two and just get some intel yep. get your time in the woods and i think that's really important for folks you know that are that are thinking about hunting season so i want to kind of get oh to, i had another question for you don't you have your you have your scouting session you're having your overnight this this summer correct are you having one or yeah, two that's sessions gonna, yep it's going to be a, a scouting camp um i did one in the spring as well uh it's august 12th and 13th um, and if anyone's interested, we still have some openings to do that. Uh, so the first day, uh, will be on a Saturday. We'll start late Saturday morning. Um, it's going to be, you know, here in Northwest Pennsylvania, it's, it's all big woods, mountain, mountain deer type related stuff. Um, we'll go over like buck bedding in the mountains. Uh, a lot of my stand placement, trail camera strategies, just kind of give people a feel on how I do things. And then the second day, what I do is I take people to specific stand sites where I've killed some of my biggest deer and kind of break down the story and the situation and, you know, how, how the hunt went and, you know, what all is going on in that specific spot that, you know, led me to that, to that harvest. Um, so we did the one in the spring. I thought it went really well. Um, I know summertime might not be is attractive to do something like that, but I still think it's, uh, once again, like how you touched on, you kind of always got to keep your foot in the door, even different times of year when there's a lot of other things going on. I still think, uh, you know, we can't completely, uh, get our minds off, uh, of deer hunting at any time if you want to be successful at it. So I think it will, we'll have a good time. And, uh, like I said, if anyone wants to, uh, wants, wants to come join us, uh, feel free. We're going to have, uh, uh, you know, meals and lodging will be included, uh, the, the Saturday evening. We're also, I'm also going to have a seminar, and, uh, talk about a lot of my, uh, weather and buck movement research. So it's going to be a whole lot to learn and, uh, just feel free to reach out to me, uh, either on Facebook or Instagram, if you're interested. Hey Steve, and, and I appreciate you promoting that. And I want to promote that as well. This brings up another point, and I, I just had a conversation earlier in the day with another consultant on this topic, and I, I want to get your opinion on it. And I don't know if you've observed this. We, we talk a lot about deer movement, and you mm -hmm. know, there's the GPS studies and everything else that's out there, and then there's the data of, of your deer in your landscape, and you're very specific and trying to pay attention to that, or at least diagnose it. Have you noticed 
at least at least from your observational or, or maybe trail camera, um, right after a rain in areas that have a lot of vegetation, you notice more interest in you know vegetation that's herbaceous that are available to deer. Have you noticed concentrations? Absolutely. Of- yep. Absolutely. Um, especially when it comes to browse sources. It's almost like putting salad dressing on it or something. I know it sounds kind of silly, but no, 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 they okay. definitely, uh, it de- I mean, I, I, honestly, what I really think it does is it, it makes it more palatable, maybe a little more flavorable. I mean, who like for us, if you get a salad, not 99% of people aren't going to get a salad without dressing. So, I mean, there's probably a little more to that, but I see a huge, uh, shift towards brows and green brows, you know, especially right after rain. That's, that's 100% true. And that, that's a great point. Something for people to always keep in mind. Yeah. And I was thinking about that today and I didn't mention that when I was talking to the consultant, some of the thoughts I had all the way through it, but you know, I'm, I'm really talking about water management a lot lately just because of the dry spell that we're having, at least in my particular area. Uh, brutal here yeah, too. Yeah. And so one of the ideas, and this is a great strategy for anybody who's starting to think about this is, you know, putting in these, these, these ponds, the, you know, these, these water allotments, and then having, you know, trash pumps hooked up and, and sprinkler systems. And so you can replicate artificially, you know, those rain sources. Now I would apply the rain, you know, really early in the morning or into the evening, not during the day. And then Mm -hmm. that resource becomes available to those particular animals, just an offshoot of, of thinking. And that that's, that's natural. Like that's, you know, that's utilizing a resource. It's just exchanging it, putting it in another location and then allowing deer to consume that. And then I was just thinking about that because you know, your strategy is built around all these factors, right? Temperature, we, we hammered on that last year, right? And then, you yep. know, we're talking about these other resources and how deer utilize them. And they may utilize them more because of the water content in the plant. And and I just Absolutely. take take that as a factor, particularly in the summer months. And, um, yep. you know, I just want to throw that out there. All right, let's, uh, let's get into this. What's going on with your scouting? And what are the strategies that people can do right now to get ahead of the game? What, what are you doing personally? Yep. Well, obviously in my situation, and I know a lot of the other listeners know this, but, you know, I am not, you know, the person that's creating food plots or, you know, building up a property to, to better my hunting. I'm hunting all public land. So every year there's, it's kind of like a new year for me. Like there's always different changes that are going to be happening. And uh, so I kind of always have to be, you know, be able to adjust and pay attention to, you know, what these changes are going to be. Um, so this year, what I'm starting to see is I think we are going to have acorns, which is going to, which is almost three years since we've had any, I can't be for sure yet, but, uh, it, it just, from what I see, we've had minimal frost, oak trees look healthy. So I am banking on an acorn crop which that's going to really help us out in the rut because we'll be able to concentrate does a lot better than what we have in the past couple of years. But as you brought up water, um, I really think water is going to be a factor for us going into the fall because this is as dry as I've ever seen it for this early in my life. Like this, what we're seeing now is, is more like late July, like August scenario as far as hot, dry weather. And, and I mean, the only water we have, and it's just a trickle, is way down in the bottoms of the valleys. 
And I don't think it's going to be able to recoup uh, even throughout the summer. So I do think, you know, water is going to be a huge factor coming this fall. I think it's also going to have an effect on browse sources. I think you're going to see, you know, a lot of the forbs and that kind of herbaceous stuff might die out sooner just because, you know, lack of water. So, you know, even though it's a little bit early, kind of what I'm doing right now is paying attention to any clues I'm getting as far as food sources, water, habitat changes. Like I'm trying to figure all that out now. And then every bit of information I get, you know, I kind of note that down and use that to prepare for my strategies for this coming fall. Yeah, that's uh, really critical. And it's, it's funny, you know, we wouldn't normally have these conversations, at least in our area uh, that frequently. And now that we're talking about, you know, drought or droughty conditions, and you're thinking ahead about how it impacts the vegetation. I mean, some vegetation isn't going to grow. And, and you know, yep. for those that, that do have food plots and are in placing food plots in your landscape, you know, you're suffering the pain of this specifically. So, you know, try to yep. apply this rule of thumb and see, okay, well, where are areas that are more moist? Maybe it's getting permission on another property and thinking more so, you know, about that strategy, you know, going ahead. Um, I'm in the place now where, you know, I've lost a bunch of spots hunting wise and, and I don't want to feel limited. So, you know, I'm starting to look outside my typical area and, and drive a little bit. And I, I'm, I'm not inclined to hunt some of the state land in our areas just because of the lack of deer. Um, but some of these private land areas, that is a factor of water resource when I'm trying to say, okay, I'd like to go after this, this land owner versus this land owner. And so it's just, yep. it's kind of thinking a little bit more about that, which, you know, you normally wouldn't, wouldn't have that conversation per se, um, in most instances, at least in the Northeast for that matter. Uh, and that, yep. that may apply more to the Midwest guys. They, they're probably thinking about this consistently and, uh, you know, whatever other things that come about, right. Disease as you know, disease propagates in, in some of these droughty conditions as well. Uh, I've spoken about that on, on other podcasts. All right. So, you know, beyond that, what are the other things, stand prep, trail camera data, like what else are you getting into right now? Oh, collecting information, just collecting, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what deer lived and died from last season. Now's, yep. now's the ability and, and maybe fawn recruitment, thinking about some of those things. What's the population look like? What, what are you doing now? Yeah. Oh, I have, you know, well over a hundred cameras out. Um, there's a lot of deer I know that made it, you know, last season that I'm already starting to keep tabs on and, you know, hoping that they get bigger and better, but there's still some, there's also deer that, you know, we're still wondering about. Uh, we had, you know, pretty mild hunting pressure last season. So, you know, we're expecting them to live. So really it's, it's, you know, it's really a huge inventory time. Um, probably, you know, from now through August, just trying to get an idea. And, you know, cause we, I don't want to say that, you know, because we don't have, you know, size minimums as far as how my business goes, but we always are, you know, targeting the bigger, better deer that we find. So this is, you know, this is a very important time to, uh, to see what, you know, what we're going to have. And then obviously, you know, I'm a big social media person and I post a lot. So I want to, I want to be able to show off, you know, what we have, not to brag, but just to let people know, uh, cause I, I really think this, this season, uh, Due to the lack of hunting pressure last year and uh, the mild winter, I really think we're going to have a real special season as far as, uh, you know, a big deer inventory. I think we're going to have, you know, a lot of big deer to hunt. Um, I think the antler size potential is really good other than these drought conditions could be a factor. But, you know, we're just super excited to see what we're going to have. Um, and as I'm getting, 
these pictures and collected inventory, I'm also keeping tabs on where these deer are moving through. It, you'd be surprised. You know, a lot of people think, you know, summer intel has no, you know, effect on what you can do in the fall. And honestly, I've, I've killed bucks in the same places where I've, you know, seen them in the summer. I'm not saying they're always using the same trails or, you know, eating the same foods, but just knowing the areas that these deer are living and paying attention and monitoring, you know, kind of like, okay, I know this deer has been on this ridge before and had him here in August that, you know, he, he could easily, you know, be there again, trying to get an idea and how to narrow down a big deer's home range. I mean, that's stuff that you can be figuring out right now. So uh, we definitely are, you know, we're excited and we're going to do our homework all throughout the summer. Yeah. And it's great that you do your homework for your clients. And obviously, you know, there's uh, you know, there's a big push now and again, right. Everyone's focused on big antlers and, you know, we're trying to get those mature deer and we're trying to figure out where those mature deer are. And you bring up the point of the dispersal and, and not having maybe these large ranges of dispersal, particularly in large forested settings. I've talked about that with you and on other podcasts about how that dispersal is going to be very like microclimate specifically. And then, you know, where these improvements are, like if you have, you know, forested land and and they go in and they do a cut, you know, what, what creates that volume of interest? And it depends on the species that are there, the type of cutting that they do, et cetera. And recognize that may move deer on the landscape or any natural changes that, that kind of occur. I think that's an important aspect to consider. The other piece of this is, taking the data and applying it and doing something with it. So right now, you know, if you could kind of categorize what's going on, like where are you finding at least these, these mature deer or deer that you're trying to concentrate on, at least getting intel on them? What, what kind of areas are you, are you finding them to, to live in? Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what, once again, I keep bringing up the hot, dry weather, but where you saw deer last summer, might not be the same or you might not find them in those same areas just for the fact that, you know, it's just a whole different scenario with, with this, a weather related situation. But honestly, it seems like North slopes, my cameras on North slopes right now uh, are, are doing best, but you got to factor that North slopes hold more moisture. It's going to be cooler. Um, a lot of that browse on North slopes is going to have more water in it. Uh, that's kind of honestly where I'm finding the, you know, the biggest deer so far is, uh, you know, a lot of times a year they'll use all sides of the mountain, but right now it seems like North slopes are really key. And if it stays like this, that's, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to be continuing to, to focus on. Uh, it, uh, you know, I usually have a lot of cameras on like, you know, and around younger clear cuts, uh, you know, just where there's a ton of browse, but it just doesn't seem like the deer they're coming in those areas a little bit at night. But it seems like our deer are really sluggish right now. I think because uh, they have to travel, you know, far to a to a natural water source. It just seems like the movement is minimal. But the north slopes, I think, are going to be the key this summer to focus on. Yeah, this is totally anecdotal. And I said on a podcast a couple weeks ago, I said in three weeks my target deer will show up on my property in a particular area, and it was contingent on some of the cutting work that I've done. And I'm I'm saying this completely anecdotal, and I don't I don't I don't want to say this like I'm a know-it-all. <laughs> so so I went I went over to the land, right? I'm making I'm making a bridge across an area so I can get my uh, my kids four wheeler back and forth. I bought my my son a four wheeler, and we're tearing it up right now. And 
literally taking it apart and trying to fix it. But anyhow, <laughs> I, I went over there and I went over there with my tractor. And I'm doing some work and I look up on the hillside and there he is. Uh, there, that's, wow. there's my deer and uh, he's got particular markings on him and he stood and he's like, again, this is North. My, a lot of my properties North or North slope, which is a problem guys. The good example of the benefits of North slope, but there's negatives to it when it comes to hunting season, et cetera. Yep. It depends. There's some, it's hard to hunt, et cetera. But anyway, I'm looking at the deer and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I called my shot three weeks ago. Now I said <laughs> at that point, hunting season could be a complete flop. But the fact that I saw the deer and he was with two other nice bucks and, and this buck, this buck is my target. This is my deer. And he's spent more time in the summer than he ever has on my property, which again, shows the improvements are starting to work. Yep. He's next to a clear cut area. And when I do clear cuts, I'll do them in lines, small areas. And, um, you know, anyhow, so long story short, he was there, but North Slope. So to your point, Steve, you got to be 100% right on this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of fun to think about some of these things. And like, you know, you're doing pretty simple math when you think about it. You're saying, okay, what's the vo volume of vegetation? Where's the moisture? What are they eating? What do they prefer? And you're literally walking the landscape and saying, okay, how do they use the terrain features to a particular area? Let's collect some data. Okay, and, and does it prove my point, right? Is your hop hypothesis correct? You know, is it giving you the information you, you anticipate and expect? And it sounds like, you know, you've done enough looking at the basics. Like, hunting doesn't need to be so darn complicated. I think, you listen, the master class to kill this big buck. All right, deer want to be safe. They want good, convenient areas because they want to be com comforted, right? They want the security. They, they want the food availability. They want the space, right? They want the water, you know, whatever they want. They, they want it in a location and they want it in abundance. And as long as that's yep. on the landscape, it's just diagnosing the deer herd and their preferences on that particular day or that particular week. And it, it, it isn't, we make these things so complicated. It's complicated to hunt <laughs> and kill them, but where they want to be and why isn't so complicated when we boil down to it, you know? And I, I think, you know, there, there may be some nuances to what I just said there, but generally speaking, I, I think it's simpler than we make it. Do you, do you feel like there, there's too much going on in the world today where people are getting baffled by, oh, this is the next greatest thing. And it's like, it's like, yep. the, you know, we're throwing... You know, we're trying to throw a Band-Aid fix on something that may be like a large problem. Like you have a wetland area that's really hard to access that has no hammocks or terrestrial sites, right? Okay, there's yep. not going to be a lot of deer in those areas. Well, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll put a mound here or we'll create this food plot adjacent to it. And then deer are going to show up. Like, guys, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's a, it's a systematic yep. like chain link fence of all these improvements or all these changes on the landscape. And I don't know. Do you notice that like so often now? I think with all these podcasts yep. and YouTubes yep. and it's like, this will fix your issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what, what I see is how you brought up, you know, a lot of hunters are making it too complicated because knowledge is so accessible anymore with YouTube and all these podcasts and people are really, you know, craving it, which is good, but there's so many differences and opinions. There's a lot of stuff being said that really isn't true you know and people are there's companies paying people to say things and do things that uh and you know and say you use this and you know you'll you'll kill a buck instantly or whatever but there's a lot of what you're hearing is is really worthless and i think hunters need to understand especially like like a, a mature buck hunter buck hunter in general like deer I mean, they're not so similar to us like 
they're, they have a pretty simple agenda throughout their day. I mean, they want security, they want food, um, water's a big deal. There's, there's not a whole lot more to it other than, yeah, you can learn your areas better. You can find more food sources, you know, that deer, that deer need. I mean, you can break it down a whole lot there, but so many people are so focused on every little detail and every product. And it's just like, it, it almost just makes it no fun to, to, to make it so complicated like that. I mean, there's, there's three or four things you really need to worry about as a hunter. And uh, other than that, just make it fun and, uh, you know, focus on, focus on a lot of the more simple stuff versus trying to do every little thing that you hear and trying to perfect it. it it's just a waste of time, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm happy you said that because I talked to uh, my partner this morning and uh, we're talking about a couple projects we've got going on. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big visual person um, and we're doing a layout on a client property this, this actually this weekend. And then I'm on the road and, um, you know, I was just thinking about some of the basics and I'm just like, you know, we, we have these simple steps to change, right? I want to get movement and flow a certain way. I want deer to reside in these areas because it makes them more huntable and they're going to want to be there. And I'm going to create the environment for them to want to be there. And it's thinking through, okay, when will they use it and why? And how do I cut this area in a specific way where it'll create the, the right amount of interest at the right time for, you know, all season uh, values. And, and that's the other thing. It's like, a lot of these areas, like somebody's like, well, I'm going to go in, I'm going to clear cut an area. And, and you see like, okay, when they go clear cut on forested land, the deer use it for a certain amount of time. And then it becomes either, you know, not dense enough or too dense, or, you know, maybe the vegetation isn't what they prefer and nobody goes back and does any maintenance and management. So it's got like a lifespan and life cycle to it for the deer. And it's taking like these small precautionary steps. It's like, well, I don't like large clear cut areas with my clients. They're like, what? why i said one you're not going to manage it correctly after i leave and and i'm not being critical to anybody but generally speaking most people are not some people are so we got to have a system in place where you can manage it and then you're going to have the data and information to say okay this makes sense deer are using this this is what they prefer they're not vetting in these clear-cut areas And, and by the way folks i mean that's a big misnomer i feel like oh if you clear cut your woods deer are going to bed in there it's like Maybe they're not. It depends on how you manage that woodlot. How much volume did you cut out of in a particular area? And, and and so I'm just bringing up these points. It's like you could put out these T-posts with these hemp ropes. It's like, oh, well, hemp rope, every deer and its brother is going to scrape underneath that tree. Well, you and I are, we like the old beach trees, right? We're old school. Yeah. Like, I like a good old American beach in the woods, right? Save the beach trees. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. you know, just keep it simple. We don't, you know, if it's convenient to put a T-post out there, that's great. But, you know, I think we have resources. So leave a tree or two that's going to be available to those deer that you don't have to go in and move around when you're putting your food plot in. Or, you know, it's a, it's a resource for them at a certain point in time. And, oh, my God, maybe that beech tree will produce a nut someday. And it's a food source at the same, you know, moment. And I don't know. I, I just I'm, I'm critical of folks lately, but I just feel like, you know, I, I've noticed th- th- my conversation with Josh is simple. It's like, man, we give them this like. I want to say the key, we're giving them the key to design their property and layout. And I go back to these client properties and I'm like, well, I was watching this YouTube channel and I know <laughs> what you said. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not saying I'm right, but I'm saying I'll give you the 80% solution. And the 80% based on all my failures is probably going to get you to the point where you might 
you might get something out of this. And, and so we're having that conversation recently. And I, I just, you know, they listen 30% of the time. And anyhow, you're just thinking about, you know, what they actually gain from the conversation. And what I realize is it's got to be simple, stupid. And I'm not criticizing them for the simple, stupid piece of it, but it needs to be for me to implement it. So they understand the purpose of what we're doing and why. And uh, I, I just wanted to kind of go on a rant there for a second, Steve, because I, I think sure. guys like you and I, th- there's not a whole bunch of us. And I think if we're thinking really simply about things, it doesn't need to be this next gimmick. Your resources are right in front of you and you just need to know how to leverage them. And this observation and putting things in the right place to collect data like trail cameras, to having good trail cameras and a good location and you being you know, prepared to go in and get that data and analyze it. And I think a lot of people just don't, don't want to do the work. Yep. No, that's, uh, especially where I'm from there, the amount of work, hard to get to areas, difficult terrain. Uh, I would say work ethic where I come from is, is right at the top of the list to having success. And I'm just glad that I was brought up in this situation because this is all I know, not knocking on anyone that hunts any different way or different areas. But I do believe where I come from, it's as hard as it gets, but that's what made me a good, hardworking, successful hunter. Um, I, I just, you know, it's in my roots now. Uh, I think, you know, how we touched on, you know, with all this, these podcasts and everything, I almost think sometimes people are looking for an easy way out. And if I can just, you know, find a way to make it easier. Well, the truth is once you take that road, it just gets worse. Uh, the biggest key I think to, to having success as a deer hunter is to work your butt off at it work, work hard year round. I mean, these 90 degree days, uh, if you're out in the woods, putting work in now, whether it's your property or, you know, someone like me just scouting and, you know, figuring out, you know, how, uh, how I can, make myself more prepared for the upcoming season like just constantly working at it you know working hard versus looking for the easy way out if you're if you're on that path you're definitely going to be successful yeah and it's just going as far in my world is taking the time and uh, I just I had this I'm doing layout and uh, we're we're doing a couple things on my own property and I looked at it and I'm like, man, the steepness of this hillside, I'm, I'm not sure I want to get a dozer over here. It's a little dangerous in one particular area. And I'm talking to Josh about it. And he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to go in with a shovel. I'm going to dig out those <laughs> spots for the deer. He's like, you're crazy. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not crazy. And, you know, maybe that's working harder, not smarter, but it's it's thinking that way. And, yep. um, you know, this kind of gritty grimer mindset and that, that I think that, that – we kind of employ really kind of gets you to the next level. It's that insanity. He, he said to me, he goes, you're insane. And I said, <laughs> I am insane. I said, insanity makes you in some capacity, yep. you know, it makes you, it could make you crazy. It also could make you successful. And I yep. don't, I don't think your point is, is gone wrong at all, where even if you don't find success and you're spending that, you know, day out scouting that 90 degree weather, you know, you, you're learning something from it. And it's, it's stepping back and saying, okay, I don't know everything. I don't know. You know, when you walk the woods, I feel like, uh, I don't know how you feel like the Terminator and you're like analyzing every little step. Like I go way too slow sometimes and I need to speed up, <laughs> but I'm like analyzing that hillside, that slope, there's the moisture. What's the food there? How, you know, I'm just diagnosing all these different things when I'm r- walking. I don't want to talk. Yep. I don't want to look at anybody. I just want to go. Right. And, yep. um, if you don't have that data, 
uh, set or that that knowledge to kind of you know look across the landscape. You know, it, it's just talking to going like going to your mountain scout scouting uh, event. It's it's talking to other people and just starting to shift your mind a little bit because you're going to pick up stuff from other people. I picked up something the other day from somebody, you know, was totally unrelated in my field. I was like, Oh, I can apply that in, in my, in my business. No question. And so I think it's important that we start thinking differently and it's not thinking abstractly enough where you're like coming up with these harebrained ideas. It's thinking more practical. And, you know, maybe that isn't like you said, the easy fix example, it may, it may require a little more work and, and, aptitude um in this example but i I just i want people to kind of think that way all right so i got a question for you but before we end this so this season going into this season what are you going to do different this season than last season and take the the water and all the things we talked about aside what what's Mm -hmm. what is what did your lesson learn last year you're going to do something different this season and are you going to kill a big buck or not? That's my next one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I don't want to sound cocky or overconfident, but I think if I tell myself I'm not going to, then I think it could have an impact on my mindset. So I am going into the season, definitely telling myself that I'm going to, and if I don't, so be it. I know I'm going to try hard at it, but you know, one thing I'm going to do uh, that might surprise some people is, and, you know, and I'm not, I don't want to bring up like I'm not going to hunt as hard, but I am going to hunt probably less and focus more around like prime weather fronts and just more prime conditions. Um, it's not so much that, uh, you know, I'm losing interest in hunting or anything, but I, I found that my odds have increased and so much more like hunting prime weather conditions, prime days, prime times a year. And like, you know, guiding and that I want to put more focus, like, and not that I, you know, I don't want to say that I've put myself first, but like, I will say, you know, six days a week, cause we can hardly hunt su- or Sundays in Pennsylvania. Like I always hunt an hour or two in the morning, hour or two in the evening, even when I'm guiding, cause that's when I have people in stands. But this year I'm going to probably only hunt those prime weather days and, that other hour or two in the morning or evening, if it's 80 degrees, I, I probably want to focus more on scouting and, you know, just, I, I just feel that over the years, when I look back, like 95% of the deer I've taken have been on prime, those prime weather days. So that's kind of going to be my mindset this year is, you know, it might be more applied to a, uh, hunt smarter, not harder. Although I'm not saying I totally agree with that, but I guess my overall point and everything I said is, um, you know, I'm going to hunt more mainly just those prime weather situations versus like hunting six days a week and, you know, grinding it out. I really, uh, I'm really confident that I can kill a good deer if I just kind of play my cards right and, you know, wait for those right weather events. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, uh, I'm assuming that you have a couple deer in the back of your mind and, and we'll talk about those, you know, a little mm-hmm. more going forward. And and then your strategy specifically going into the season uh, with this, you know, hunt, you know, hunt smart, not hard. Um, yep. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of diagnose, you know, how you're going to do that. And let's think more about the frequency, the volume. You know, I think this season, you and I need to talk a little bit more about 
you know, our individual strategies on a, a particular, you know, group of deer or deer that we're going after. I have one deer to kill this year. Um, will I kill him? I don't know. I don't, I don't even want to make any projections at this point. It's my son's first year of hunting and my priority yep. is my boy. Great. And, and so if he can get himself a deer and he said, he's going to shoot anything he can minus a fawn. And I said, all right, well, I think, <laughs> I think that's a good start. I said, you know, I'll look at the numbers. We'll, we'll, I might have a preference towards, you know, uh, maybe shooting a couple though, but you know, it, it's up to you. And, and just getting him into the sport and ha- letting him have a good time. What I did notice is he killed the Turkey early season. And then after that, I couldn't get right. him to go again. So, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to make it too easy on him. Like, and, huh. I, and I certainly hope a, a giant, you know, buck doesn't show up. Well, I shouldn't say that, but, you know, I want him to put his time in and work. And I think, you know, it's, it's one thing walking into a quality deer. It's another thing where it's kind of planned out and like, okay, we're going to go kill, you know, that four-year-old this afternoon. I don't, I don't want him to hunt like that. I want him to find his own way in the equation. So I I think we we sometimes make it too easy on our kids. And I think we got to be careful of that. That's, that's in my opinion, not good parenting. And, um, you know, I, I, this is not a parenting podcast, but I'm learning how to parent my child better. And I feel like giving them opportunities, but not giving them everything is, is really critical. And I, I think that's, that's the way to kind of have these children grow up uh, and give them the best opportunity to kind of learn on their own. So, uh, yeah, Yeah, I'll just touch on that if if you don't mind, because I do think the, the youth hunting situation is a very vulnerable and I mean, it, it's not a, you look at today's youth and it's scary as far as the future, but you know, I do hear, you know, many parents and mentors say, you know, you got to make it easy on them in order to get them to like it. But, but honestly, I don't think, I don't think that's totally right. I'm not saying beat your kid up and force them to go, but I think you do have to let them know and let them understand that hunting is not easy. This is a very challenging sport and you have to work hard at it, but there's, there's nothing better than seeing a kid want to work hard and achieve something. I think there's a, there's a, a lack of desire for, uh, you know, showing, showing our youth, you know, those type of things. And, you know, like last night we had a, you know, my son plays baseball and we had our first loss of the season. And, you know, I'll admit I was, I was probably a little more, too more you know, into the game than, than what I should have been. And I was yelling a little bit at some of the players, but you, you honestly, you just, you can just sense that the, the society just wants to like baby kids and you know you get a trophy whether you're first or last and like I just think I just think it's kids are really being brought up the the wrong way and and that they that they feel that they can get anything and everything for doing nothing to achieve it and I just I really think that we need to change the way we're teaching our kids and making them work hard and you know feeling a little pain here and there and and knowing that if you work your butt off that that's the way to have success uh, because there's really no other way to do it in life yeah and i I agree with you 100 percent. i agree with your mantra that's exactly how i'm trying to raise my kids and uh you know we go to church right we uh focus on what's important we do the right thing we care about others before ourselves and then in this scheme of deer hunting and in our lives we prioritize it so much. I, I prioritize it so much that sometimes makes me miss out on the little things. And the little things is is teaching them, you know, the, the right work ethic 
and it's buying yep. that old Honda four tracks and uh, piling through the brakes and trying to figure out and diagnose things and, and being a technician when you got no business being a technician. That's what we're we're working on this week is is you know we're a, we're a ATV technician and so it's <laughs> teaching them all the small things. And that ATV is going to be meaningful to him in the scheme of things. And I'm yep. not just going to give him something. I'm going to make him work. Um, and I wasn't, exactly. I wasn't given much in life other than some opportunities. And when I had those opportunities, I took advantage of it. And uh, I appreciate those that have supported me over the years. And, and I think we all do. And uh, it's the lessons learned and the hard work that are more meaningful in the scheme of life. And, and I, I think I'd like to end with that, Steve. Um, absolutely all right man so it's great connecting with you getting back it's been a bit for both of us and uh more from us this summer and uh we haven't talked about it but you know one thing we got to talk about is are we going to do a a tactical podcast come hunting season i worked you last year i i made you get all these (laughs) hot shots on my podcast and uh i don't know if i'm gonna bother you again for it but you did a heck of a job last year and i really appreciated that no well thank you i've honestly i've i've enjoyed you know, I've been on many podcasts, but I've enjoyed talking with you just as much as anyone. And you know that I'll be around as much as you need me. So uh, I'm always looking forward to the next one. Yeah. And please reach out to Steve if you want to get into that summer scouting. Steve, when is that, by the way? It's August 12th and 13th. Uh, we, and I also do half day scouting classes. Uh, that'll be every Friday in July. And I don't know if it's, there's a two or three in August I'm doing as well. I don't have those dates off the top of my head, but feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook. We also still have a few openings for hunts this fall, both bow and gun. But uh, yeah, just uh, like I said, shoot me a message, even if you're just slightly interested or you know whatever uh, whatever your thoughts are, or just questions about deer hunting, big woods, or anything that I can help. Uh, this is the best time of year to reach me. Once hunting season starts, I, I'm kind of like a ghost. Yeah, Steve, is, do you do the, your uh, your summer scouting sessions in August or just July? Your Fridays uh, this year, July and July and August. Once we get into September, October, you know I don't do anything. I might do something in early October, like on a Sunday, maybe. Uh, haven't quite uh, drawn the plan for that yet, but uh, we also do a bunch in the early spring as well. But obviously, that's a long way to come. But we're definitely uh, we're definitely interested in teaching people. You know, this summer here, literally in just about a month, we'll be starting up. Okay, I love that, and take advantage of that, folks. Just like we talked about today, get you that next next level knowledge. All right, we will talk soon. See you, Steve. All right, take care. Bye bye. Bye. Maximize Your Hunt is a production of Whitetail Landscapes. For more information on how John Teeter and his team of experts can help you maximize your hunt, check out whitetaillandscapes.com.